The American Board of Obstetrics and Gynecology, or ABOG, is housed in Dallas, Texas. They are tasked every year with certifying candidates from all across the country that they are evidence-based, competent OBGYN physicians. This board certification procedure is a two-part endeavor. The first part is a computerized didactic exam, and the second part is the one that strikes fear into the hearts of every applicant, although it really shouldn't. It's a three-hour oral interview based on obstetrics, gynecology, and office-based practice. It may surprise you that some of the main reasons that people are asked to try their board experience again the subsequent year has nothing to do with the content. In other words, they know the right information, but it's something else that gets them in hot water. So in this session, I'm going to give you five quick tips for taking your oral board exam that will take the stress off ease the process, and help you get this thing in your rearview mirror. Oh, and if you're not getting ready to take your boards or you have successfully done it, well, this podcast is still for you because these tips also translate to just personal and professional advice to keep you on the straight and narrow. So without further ado, here are your five tips to help you pass your oral board examination. Our goal is to keep everyone up to date in practicing evidence-based medicine because medicine moves real fast. This is Clinical Pearls. Dreaming of a better sleep? Tossing and turning is not your destiny. And Ollie is here to help. Ollie invites you to sink into sweet, sweet slumber to improve your mental and physical health and overall wellness. More than just melatonin, Ollie's ingredients help you unwind your mind for a delightfully dreamy drift off. Sleep is on the way at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. First, let's start off with some good news. First of all, the board does not have a set number of examinees that have to pass or fail. That's a common misperception, and it's a myth and a pretty bad rumor that the board has to fail a certain amount somehow to protect the integrity of the board system. That's absolutely not true. Another piece of good news is the overall pass rate for first-time takers. Just 10 years ago, that rate averaged anywhere from 85 to 88 percent. But in 2021, the passing rate for first-time takers was up to 90%. So that's good news. The most common reasons why people don't pass the oral boards really have very little to do with the actual content or knowledge of the information. It's what they do with that information at time of the oral boards. And that's what we're going to tackle right now. Now, before we go any further and before I give you these five tips, let me clarify something very quickly. Yes, having the information, knowing the content, knowing the data, it's extremely important. I mean, that's the foundation of competency-based medical education. That's why we do this podcast. But having that information just isn't enough. It's these other factors that get into your head and into the environment that can throw you off your game. So let's get into tip number one right now. Tip number one has to do with the first moment that your foot hits the inside of the ABOG building. And that's something called tackling the imposter syndrome. <laughs> Look, imposter syndrome is real. For those of you who are not aware of this, I'm sure you've experienced it, but may not know the exact name of what's going on. 
imposter syndromes where you look around the room or you look around the ward and go, oh my goodness, these people are much smarter than I am. I don't deserve to be here. And they're going to know that I'm an imposter. In other words, I I look the role, but I don't know anything. (laughs) That's totally normal. Actually, harnessing the imposter syndrome keeps you humble, keeps you teachable, and keeps you safe. However, when the imposter syndrome runs wild, it keeps you paralyzed. So that's tip number one. Realize the imposter syndrome is real and that it's totally okay to feel that way, but don't let it control you. Next, tip number two. All right, podcast family, just to take some of the stress off this podcast, (laughs) as we're talking about the oral boards, let me give you a little confession. As some of you know, of course, I sit on the ABOG OB Care Consensus Committee, and I'm very proud of that. And I say that with all humility. I mean, it's an honor for me. I know that's geeky, but it really does kind of float my boat. Well, during the first OB Care Consensus Committee, as people are introducing all the members on the panel, I mean, I'm hearing, you know, NIH and the CDC Director for Women's Health, and there's Hopkins and UCLA, and the list goes on and on. Well, meanwhile, my heart starts beating. I get that little bead of sweat across my brow. And I think to myself as people introducing themselves, um, I am not smart enough to be on this committee. Uh, And you know what? After we had the meeting, uh, I I told that to our chair, who's a great friend. And he said, you know, that's totally normal. And you know what? After that first two to three minutes of anxiety, it went away. So please be aware that imposter syndrome is natural. It doesn't matter where you are in your training or how many years you've been out. Recognize it, harness, keep, let it keep you humble, but don't let it control you. All right, fine. On to tip number two. Tip number two has to do with that anxiety that we just talked about. It's how to control that racing heart rate when you're being bombarded by questions one after the next. And that has to do all with your breathing. Box breathing works. It's that taking in a deep breath, holding it for one or two seconds, and then slowly exhaling out. You can do that as they're getting ready to do their next question or as they're looking through your case list. Controlling your breathing is a great way to decrease your catecholamine flare. It's amazing how many people we've sat across that table and literally they're taking shallow breaths. It looks like they're not breathing at all. And we have to actually say, can you, you need to take a big deep breath, blow it out, and we're going to ask that question again. So tip number two, remember to breathe. I know that sounds weird, but I'm telling you, breathing as you're going to the next uh, room or as you're going from the classroom, the intro room into the first uh, uh, interrogation room, take those deep cleansing breaths because they do work. All right, the first two tips were kind of touchy-feely, right? Remember imposter syndrome and then breathe. Tip three has to do with some of the meat of the ABOG issue. All right, podcast family, as we've already made it very plain from the beginning, you've got to know the information. But being able to communicate that information is what gets people in trouble. You see, you can have the right answer, but you answer in such a way that you lack such confidence that your reviewers go, well, this person doesn't even know if they're right or not. So that can actually tank a right answer. And just the opposite is also true. Having the right answer, but answering very arrogant and very condescending wins no points. It's weird how people respond under stress. I mean, I've heard it. For example, your board examiner asks you, what's the gold standard medication for seizure prophylaxis with preeclampsia? Pretty straightforward, right? I mean, some under nervous duress say, well, everybody knows that. I mean, that's mag sulfate. Whoa, I think a better way of answering that would have been, you know, doctor, for decades, uh, you know, thankfully we have a medication, which is intravenous magnesium sulfate. It just seems to work, even though it's not a traditional anti-epileptic or traditional anti-seizure medication. So my answer is mag sulfate. You see the difference there from, well, obviously everybody knows, 
uh, to, well, I think it's just magsulfate. Thankfully, we have it. So knowing the content, but communicating in a way that says, hey, I'm professional, I'm collegiate. And if my partner or somebody else asks me for a consult, I'm not going to berate them with the answer. I'm just going to give them the information like I'm talking to a colleague. So that's the big clinical pearl. And tip number three know the information, but please give that information in a way that's professional, that's humble, and that's clear as if you were talking to a colleague. Okay, on to tip number four. Tip number four has to do a little bit with tip number three, which is know your content. But knowing your content and knowing what to do in a scenario doesn't override the ability for us or the need for us to stay in our lane. So tip number four is know your scope of practice. In other words, don't try to impress your oral board examiner by doing something or saying something that you clearly have no duty to perform. Let me give you an example. All right, Dr. Smith, let's say you're doing an operative oophorectomy for an ovarian mass. Well, you soon discover that that ovarian mass is actually a malignancy. Please tell me your next steps. All right, that's a very legitimate question, right? It's a very real-world scenario. So if you then say, well, then I would remove the scope and I'd perform a complete abdominal hysterectomy, bilateral subhingo oophorectomy, and bilateral lymph node dissection, but you are not a gynecology oncologist, you are totally outside of your scope of practice. See, you can have the right information. You know what to do with that. You know that they need surgical staging, but that's not within your scope of practice as a generalist OBGYN. So again, stay in your lane. So the better answer would be, oh my goodness, well, that's just terrifying. I mean, that's horrible for the patient. I know that she needs complete surgical staging because that stage is very important. I know that I'm also supposed to try to minimize spill intraperitoneally. So what I would do is I would call my gynecology oncologist on hand and try to get their opinion intraoperatively as a consult because I want to stay within my scope of practice. And if I don't have a gynecology oncologist, well, I'm definitely going to remove the mass. We definitely need histology. We need tissue confirmation. But then I know my limit and I would send them to the appropriate surgeon for proper care. See, that's a good answer. You know what to do, but that doesn't necessarily mean you're going to do it yourself. So be very careful with this. Please don't make every answer. I'm just going to refer everyone because that doesn't absolve you from the, from the need to know the data. But also remember what your training can and cannot allow you to perform. So that's tip number four. It's very easy. Just know the data, but also know your scope of practice. Oh my goodness, I have to give you this real account of one of my OBGYN colleagues. This is over a decade ago, not giving any names, uh, when I was back in Dallas. So this practitioner failed his oral boards. And so we sat down. He was obviously distraught. I'm like, well, tell me what happened. I mean, you knew the content. I mean, t- let's go over some of your questions. Well, one of the questions really stood out and it went south from there. He was asked how you would handle an intraoperative bowel injury. I mean, like a, a clear through and through uh, translation luminal um, injury. And he said, well, I would clean out the pelvis and then I would do a a reanastomosis of the colon. Now, remember, this is a general OBGYN. And then he said, and if necessary, you know, it should have to have a diverting colostomy. And, you know, and I've seen it done. I I think I could do that way outside the scope of practice, guys. I mean, again, he could have the right information and he went through and described in detail, great detail, how the procedure could be done. Um, But that's not his job. So again, tip number four is know the information, but stay in your lane and no scope of practice. 
All right, podcast family, as we come to the end of this session, here's tip number five, which is really just a wrap up of the other tips. It's that during this whole stressful day, and yes, it's stressful. Yes, a lot rides on it. I'm not trying to minimize that. It's extremely important to get board certified. I'm 100% there. But through that process, don't forget to enjoy the moment. Think about this honor and where you're at. This is the culmination of undergraduate and medical school and residency to get board certification. Enjoy the moment. It is a privilege to be there and you've earned it. And you do know the information. Remember, most people fail, not because of lack of information, but lack of what they do with that information. But now you know. So tip number five is enjoy the moment. Breathe, relax. You got this and it will be soon in your rearview mirror. Well, there we go. Those are some quick tips to help you pass and ace your oral board exam. And remember, even if you're not taking your oral boards, that's just good tips for life anyway, right? Be confident in your decision, yet be humble and stay within your scope of practice. It's great advice just to keep you safe on this healthcare journey. Thanks for being part of our podcast family. And we'll see you next time on Clinical Pearls.